You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Take 
listening to African Perspectives, where we view the issues of our day from an African worldview and African-centered perspective. This program is unapologetically African. It is a custom in the African tradition to ask elders for permission to speak, having been granted permission to our ancestors whose shoulders we stand on, to our elders whose shadows we walk in. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters. In the language of one of the greatest civilizations on this planet, it gave the world the basic disciplines of knowledge of science, math, architecture, music, writing, law, religion, you name it, we did it. The Greeks called it Egypt, but they called themselves Kemet, and Kemet means land of the blacks. I greet you all in the Kemetic language, the word of peace, Hotep. It is truly an honor and a privilege to pour libation because we truly do stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We're going to use water because water has no enemies. Water is the great cleanser, the great purifier. Everything on the planet that lives, it needs water from a tiny microscopic organism to a tall redwood tree. We pour water into the earth to invoke the spirits of our ancestors, and we say the word ashe. It simply means, so be it. So we pour this libation to God. For all that God has done and for all that God will do. We pour this libation to Mother Africa, birthplace of all humanity. Everyone who has lived, everyone who will live in the future, we all have a common ancestral root in Africa. We pour this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. I mentioned Kemet in the opening. Kemet was the height, the apex, the zenith of African high culture. But there were others as well, as Timeri, Punt, and Nubia. So we poured us libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. We poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa, of Ghana, Mali, Zangai, Benin, Great Zimbabwe, 
civilizations that were flourishing and growing while Europe was in a medieval or dark age. The University of Sankare at Timbuktu, an outstanding educational institution. So he poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe. We poured us libation to the Ma'afa, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the Infakani, the great tragedy, uprooted out of Africa. Our brothers and sisters lay a carpet along the Atlantic Ocean. We're in North America, South America, Central America, and throughout the diaspora. So we poured us libation to our brothers and sisters who suffered the Ma'afa, the Infakani, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the great tragedy. We poured us libation in their honor and in their memory. We do not know their names, but because of them and their sacrifice, we are here. So we sashay. We poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. If you ever heard me do a libation, you will know that we were not slaves. I repeat, we were not slaves. We were captives. What does a captive want to do? Get free. So we poured us libation to all those men and women who fought against enslavement. In fact, I maintain that some of us are more of a slave today than we were in our initial captivity because some of us are a slave to vice, to corruption, to drugs, sex, and violence. So we poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey, Harriet Tutman. We always resisted. And we will always resist. So we poured us libation in the name and the honor of those men and women who fought against our captivity. We poured us libation to those unborn, those young men and women who will once again lead us back on the stage of human history as a free and proud and productive people. We sashay. We poured us libation to brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. We need each other. We don't have good family life. There's a saying, conditions shape conduct and consciousness. The conditions in our community are bad. The conduct towards each other is not good. Because why? We lack consciousness. And consciousness is more than just awareness. Consciousness is a deeper understanding of who you are historically, who you are culturally. So once we begin to understand the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. Brothers and sisters, let us all say, Ashe, Ashe. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Good morning. African world. You are listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanwakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com and I am your host, Baba Oshi. Hotel family, hope everything is well for you today. Hope you're going to have a good weekend. Hope you get a chance to do all the things that you want to do, should do, must do, can do, and will do, hoping too the weather will be accommodating for you to do it. But of course, if it is not and it has to get done, it will get done. Because it, it must be done, and you will get it done. I say. Other programming we have here on Time for an Awakening. 
Well, once again, this program is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. 10 to 12 Central, 9 to 11 Mountain, straight to 10 Pacific. Any other time around the world, but if you cannot listen to this program live, you can go to our archives. That's timeforanawakening.com. Top of the page, you'll see podcasts. Click on that. The drop down, you'll see African Perspectives. Click on that, and there will be programs that are dated and titled. Also, too, you can use the shortcut, uh, any search engine that you, you know, web browser or whatever. Put in babaoshi.net, B-A-B-A-O-S-H-I.net. And once again, there will be programs that are dated and titled. Other program we have here on Time for an Awakening, once again, this program is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And times I'm going to give you are Eastern times. Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, <laughs> this evening at 8 p.m., Time for an Awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. On Sunday at 7 p.m., Time for an Awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. On th- uh, Thursday, last night, was the um, Mississippi on the Move, the Black Liberation Movement with uh, Brother Lumumba, Patrick Lumumba. And then on Saturdays, the Sankofa Elders Council. The Elders of Sankofa with uh, Dr. Janine. Those are the programs we have here on Time for an Awakening. And the number to call is 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. We Buy Black. We Buy Black, the largest online marketplace for American-African-owned businesses is webuyblack.com. Get everything you need from American-African-owned businesses. Webuyblack.com. Africa for the Africans, Brother Bamani Tayemba. Uh, he's ready to take a group of our people. Uh, they'll be leaving very shortly next week, November 16th to the 27th of this year, going to Tanzania. Then December 24th to January 4th, 2024, Azenia. March 29th to April 9th, 2024, Liberia. July 11th to July 23rd, 2024, Ghana. November 21st to December 2nd, 2024, Kemet. And the same time frame as this year, December 24th to January 4th, 2025, Azenia. April 1st to April 11th, Senegal and Gambia. And I'm quite sure he has some other trips planned as he often does. That's Brother Bamamani Tanyimba, Africa for the Africans. Everything you need is on that website. Go to Africa for the Africans. That's right. If you want to see pictures of previous tours, go to facebook.com forward slash Bamani. If you want to see videos of previous tours, go to youtube.com forward slash Bamani 2007. Give the brother a call at 404 404-931-9429. 404-931-9429. Africa for the Africans.org. Habashal. Habashal stands for helping Africa by establishing schools at home and abroad. And of course, they have a project here in the Atlanta area. Habashal works. These are sustainable agricultural programs, learning programs. And of course, they have the Kashi project in Ghana that uh, launched last year, not just past October, not just past month, but last year in October. So. Habashahincorporated.org. Great, great, good thing that the brothers and sisters have done and are continuing to do. 
Ledge, Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics, the Ledge Group. They have uh, 16, they have 12 projects in six countries, 170 employees, and over 260 members. Brothers and, and brothers and sisters become a member of the Ledge Group because they deal in the four areas of human necessity, of human existence, food, water, clothing, and shelter. Ledge, Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics. Become a member of the Ledge Group. Abibiatumi, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Abibiatumi.com. Abibiatumi.com. There's another program coming up. Um, oh, that was last week. My bad. My bad. I know they have good programs on the Ledge Group, and they have one coming. So um inform you when those are happening. Um, repatriate to Ghana, Sankofa Journey. That's right. They're asking, you want to repatriate to Ghana? Help the Ledge Group, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Bibi Atumi will help you do so. Discover how Bibi Atumi can help you restore Ma'at and repatriate to Ghana. Bibi Atumi, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Bibi Atumi, dot com. Smy Pharmacy, uh, they're still down. Uh, so we'll go right to Moses, the Moses West Foundation. Moses West Foundation, an estimated 75% of residents on the Hopi Reservation are forced to use drinking water laced with arsenic, which possess, which poses serious health risks, including cancer and birth defects. And so they're in that area, Indigenous Water Crisis Initiative, the, the, the Sky Wells Project, addition an Indigenous Water Crisis Resident uh, Crisis Initiative and key features atmospheric water generates utilizing the state of art technology to convert air into pure drinkable water hydroponic system a sustainable approach to agriculture ensuring food scarcity uh, security ensuring food security alongside water availability cultural preservation by addressing basic needs we empower communities to focus on cultural and spiritual enrichment Educational outreach, partnering with local schools to integrate STEM education and inspire the next generation of indigenous leaders. Zero carbon footprint. Our machines are powered by renewable energy sources, aligning with our commitment to environmental sustainability. That's what's going on with the Ledge Group. And that's what's going on. <laughs> oh, man, let me get, I'm, I'm going to get together, family. I don't know where I am. <laughs> That's what's going on. Now my brother Moses West and the Moses West Foundation. I was, I was looking at something. You know, it, it happened to you. You're looking at something, you're seeing something else, and, and you're speaking. Yeah, well, okay, anyway. <laughs> well, Dada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar located in the West End here in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, tomorrow and Sunday, they have vegan dishes for sale, but they have delicious health drinks, smoothies, and all kinds of good stuff, dry goods. Edward Dada's, located right on, on Ralph David Avenue, actually across the street from Soul Vegetarian Restaurant, up the street from the Shrine of the Black Madonna in the West End. But the Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall, Mama Mia, she has some programs upcoming as well. And that's at the Greenbrier Mall. She has a fine selection of books, postcards, greeting cards, gift certificates, T-shirts, figurines, and so much more. Check her out at Give her a call at 404 434 436. 
404-346-3263. That's 404-346-3263. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. The Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore and Coffee Bar located in Lithonia, which is east of here. Take I-20 east going towards Augusta, Georgia. Exit 74. When you exit 74, make a left. Now you're going north. About a mile on the left will be the Black Dot Cultural Center Bookstore and Coffee Bar. My good friend and brother, Kazimde Ajamu. He has a, f- oh man, he has, a, with all that space, all that space, whatever amount of space that he has, he utilizes it tremendously. That's a good brother, Brother Kazimde Ajamu. Give him a call at 770-305-6373-770-305-6373. The Black Dot Cultural Center Bookstore and Coffee Bar. Jump back in the ride. Head back in the other d- same direction now. Instead of going north, you're going south. Make a left and sit, and you're still going east. The next exit is exit 75, Turner Hill Road. Take that exit, make a right, three lights. Make another right, and on the left will be the new Black Wall Street Market. The new Black Wall Street Market. You know, I, I try to um, hopefully promote the new Black Wall Street Market to the extent that it continues to be viable and starts to grow and grow because um, the fear is, it, you know, if you don't have a lot of people out there, it will die. And we've seen it. And I know you have too in your community because of our lack of participation. So, yeah. Us lifting us to economic development cooperative for our people in the spirit of Ujamaa every Thursday night at the Thursday night broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash ULU. Us lifting us from 9 to 10, from 9 to 10 on Thursdays. Uh, also, too, you can call to give questions, comments, or concerns at dial at 929-477-2789. That's 929-477-2789. Us lifting us, the Economic Development Cooperative for our people. Also, too, on Fridays, I announce the the radio program, Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, also on Blog Talk Radio. Their call-in number is 563-999-3089. 563-999-3089. From 4 to 6 p.m., my good brother and good friend, fellow firefighter, Brother Yosef Muhammad, Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness on Fridays. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop located in Macon, Georgia. Brother Beach's got it going on. Thursday, he's open from Thursday, excuse me, he's open from Tuesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Tuesday through Sunday from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. And uh, give him a call at 478-256-1166, 478-256-1166. Six, six. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop, Macon, Georgia. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop located 4140 Jonesboro Road in Forest Park, Georgia, inside the International Discount Mall, booth 225. Brothers and sisters, give my good sister, Shelly Amonset, a call at 404-434-7963. 404-434-7963. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop. Sanjay Dash Haiti. Sister Gabriella Brilla is doing outstanding work with our young people in the northeastern portion in the hills of Haiti. 
Go online and check it out because they rely on us. They have no other funding but those of us who are in the diaspora who will help them. So go to Sanjay, S-O-N-J-E dash Haiti, A-Y-I-T-I dot org. Sanjay dash Haiti dot org. So sniffles there. Uh, Abba Baruti, Mama Yah. Going to go right to the Inyasasim. Remember, this Monday, very excited. Baba Baruti will be my guest. And uh, we plan to have some good conversation. Uh, we're going to jump right off into it. We'll, we'll do this and read the Inyasasim. And then the whole program is here. We'll have some great dialogue. Hope you get a chance to listen. Hope you will call in, ask questions. And Give questions or comments or concern. Baba Baruti, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the four, uh, one of the serious voices for the African centered and sovereignty movement in our people globally, no doubt about it. A, a prolific writer. He has, I think, 14, 15 books. If you go to akabenhouse.com, akabenhouse.com is where you can order his books from. The Inyasa Sim of Daily Revolutionary Thought. November 9th, intellectual disobedience is the ultimate act of decolonization. Moreover, it is the hallmark of a liberated mind. Uhuru Hotep. We must shield our children from intellectual insanity of others. Psychosis. However, to teach, we must know who we are and what our children must equip themselves to do. Becoming African-centered thinkers requires that we reconceptualize our reality in African terms and ways of knowing and doing. As a function of cor correctly defining, incorporating, and acting as Africans, our reality naturally changes. Power shifts and balance returns. It is a process of visualization and activation. Because we think so, it becomes so. Reconceptualization is the process of searching out and creating more appropriate terms and especially meanings to terms that better fit the logically self-interest, nation-building politics of our research and agenda. The true purpose of study is to teach the student about his or her power and remember what power is, family. The power is not information in education because if you receive, if the power you receive is flawed and inaccurate, <laughs> power is not money. They can change the money. Power's not voting. Power's not politics. Power is the ability to define reality. Power is the ability to define reality. Europeans define reality, shaped and fashioned in their image and interest. They define reality. And the question that we as Africans need to ask ourselves is who are we living here in America, living in the West, where we are with white folks, who are we in their reality? Initially, we were the soulless people. No culture to speak of. Justifying our captivity, our brutal enslavement, justifying it because we have nothing. We ain't about nothing. Uh, they were concerned. 
who are we in the reality today? Criminal, drug addicts, no fit fathers, no fit mothers. Yeah. Their reality. Power. We need to shape it and fashion it in our image and in our interest. Power. The true purpose of study is to teach the student about his or her power. Acquaintance with one's power is the only means by which an individual can determine and fulfill his or her own destiny. And if the individuals forming a nation do not know and cannot act on their power, the power of their people's asili, the power of their culture, the power manifest in them through their ancestors, then they do not constitute a nation. It is only an aggregation of powerlessness. Disassociated individuals easily victimized by other nations on missions of exploitation and domination and ultimately elimination. Affirm, I am reconceptualizing our reality in African terms. Affirm, I am reconceptualizing our reality in African terms. Ashe. November 10th, being impure, the dead creates disorder everywhere. Europeans are psychopathic because their origin is psychogenetically flawed. If you were birthed on a, on a glacier existing for 900 generations in a freezing cold, surviving off whatever living creatures you could hunt down and kill, including your own children, what would your conception of God be? With men physically the most vicious, how could you imagine the creator as anything but male? Could you even begin to visualize a kind, just, merciful, loving God? Would you ever forget that portrayal? And if this became your conception of the Almighty and he your model, how would you approach others? Would it be with kindness, reciprocity, truth, and humanity, or treachery, apprehension, and delusions of any absolute suffering, suffocating power over them? People make pacts with their deities. They make promises to save themselves. We have to consider the truth of liars and the way of blood oaths, of promises to be forever kept by a people conscious of themselves, that would have had to be made with the evil side of divinity, the creator's opposite, an aggressively wrathful and unforgiving being that rescued them from a frigid wasteland and brought them to rule this world for him. Affirm, I descend from love. Affirm, I descend from love. November 11th, it is our duty to fight. It is our duty to win. We must love each other and protect each other. We have nothing to lose but our change. A good sister, Asada Shakur. Asada Shakur. Yeah. The nature of one's people's relationship with other people is a critical determining factor in how they organize themselves relative to others. The difficulty or ease with which that relationship evolves 
over the centuries tell them how to realistically deal with others and how to practically organize themselves in preparation for these dealings. For African people, there is no more pressing evidence of our relationship with other people than their warring against us. The war against our motherland is fueled and orchestrated from outside. The destruction of our communities, diasporic communities, have been the work of the same aliens. Regardless of where the conflict is most intense or visible, or who the instigators are, it remains obvious that we, as African people, are at war for our very existence. There is a common effort among the world's established and aspiring powers to subjugate and commit genocide against African people. Our bodies, minds, spirits, and other natural resources are of great strategic value to the various combatants who are contending for dominance, for dominance in the unfolding new world order. Where is our position? <laughs> Affirm, it is my duty to win, I say. It is my duty to win. And we are going to win, family. I know it don't look good at times, but we are going to win. Yeah. I was looking for this the other day and uh, finally came across it. And so I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to uh, play this particular piece. That's not to be played. I'm going to read it. Sorry. I am Israel. I am Israel. You see what's happening. You see how devastating this is. You see genocide. You know, some of people would not believe that it would happen, but it doesn't make any difference. Today, yesterday, a decade ago, a century ago, whatever, tomorrow, next week, month, year, as long as these genocidal mind is ruining, ruining yeah, and running the world, this is what you're going to get. I am Israel. This is written by Professor Norman Finkelstein, which of course uh, his name would appear as he is a, uh, a European Jew, but we'll, you know, whatever. I am Israel. I came to a land without a people, for a people without a land. Those people who happened to be here had no right to be here. And my people showed them that they had to leave or they would die. Raising 400 Palestinian villages to the ground, erasing their history. I am Israel. Some of my people committed massacres and later became prime ministers to represent me. In 1948, Menachem Begin was in charge of the unit that slaughtered the inhabitants of Deris Yassin, including 100 women and children. In 1953, Ariel Sharon led the slaughter of the inhabitants of Quebec. And in 1982, arranged for our allies to butcher around 2,000 in refugee camps. I am Israel. 
carved in 1948 out of 78% of the land of Palestine, dispossessing its inhabitants and replacing them with European Jews and other parts of the world, while the natives whose families lived on this land for thousands of years are not allowed to return. Jews from all over the world are welcome to instant citizenship. I am Israel. In 1967, I allowed the remaining lands of Palestine, Eastern Jerusalem, the West Bank, and Gaza, and placed their inhabitants under an oppressive military rule, controlling and humiliating every aspect, every aspect of their lives. Eventually, they would get out the message that they are not welcome to stay and then join the millions of Palestinian refugees in shanty camps in Lebanon and in Jordan. I am Israel. I am the power to control American policy. My American Israeli Foreign Affairs Committee can make or break any politician of its choosing. And as you see, they all compete to please me. All the forces of the world are powerless against me, including the UN, as I have the American veto to block any con condemnation of my war crimes. As Ariel Sharon so eloquently phrased it, we control America. I am Israel. I influence American mainstream media too, and you always find the news tailored to my favor. I have invested millions of dollars in public relations representation and CNN and news and uh, New York Times and all the others have been doing an excellent job of promoting my propaganda. Look at other international news sources and you will see the difference. I am Israel. You Palestinians want to negotiate peace, <laughs> but you are not as smart as me. I will, I will negotiate but we'll only let you have your municipalities while I control your borders. I control your water, your airspace, and everything else of importance. While we negotiate, I will swallow your hilltops and fill them with settlements populated by the most extreme of my extremists, armed to the teeth. These settlements will be connected with roads you cannot use, and you will be imprisoned in your own little Bantu stands between them, surrounded by checkpoints in every direction. I am Israel. I have the fourth strongest army in the world, possessing nuclear weapons. How dare your children confront my oppression with stones? Don't you know my soldiers won't hesitate to blow their heads off? In 17 months, I have killed 900 of, of you and injured 17,000 mostly civilians and have the mandate to continue since the international community remains silent, ignorance, ignored as I, as I do, the hundreds of Israeli reserve officers who are now refusing to carry out my, con my control over your lands and people. Their voices of conscience will not, be, will not protect you because I am Israel. You want freedom? I have bullets, tanks, missiles, Apaches, and 14, and F6, and F6, X, <laughs> Apaches, and F-16s to obliterate you. 
I have placed your towns under siege, confiscated your lands, uprooted your trees, demolished your homes, and you still demand freedom. (laughs) Don't you get the message? You will never have peace or freedom because I am Israel. I am Israel. Once again, written by Norman Finkelstein, the ethics of cleansing of Palestine. Ethnic cleansing of Palestine by Israeli history and professor. Yeah. The world has been lied to for 73 years. The Palestinian people are being destroyed before our eyes, and many of those who have been shouting loudly, never again look the other way. Never again, yeah. Yeah. I am Israel. You know. Uh, saw a piece last night on uh, reparations and I know that um, a lot of us we're, we're down with reparations you know and we believe in reparations the problem of course is how would how would it is to be administered? Now, for me, you know, and, I, and if you listen to this program often, you know, I've often said and will continue to say I don't believe in reparations as it is argued or discussed or put out there. You know, I recognize there have been families who have been in abject poverty for generations and do they deserve to be lifted out of that? Yeah, of course they do. But I believe reparations globally. I believe that uh, the African continent and Africans in the diaspora, but of course you in the diaspora, your situation is very tenuous because you're going to be asking for those countries to give you some money there while many of the citizens there feel that, oh, well, I didn't do this. I don't want my tax dollars paid for it. I don't want any money that I would pay to the government to pay you to get you out of poverty when I'm damn near in poverty myself. You can see some conflict continuously. You know? I'm for African people coming together beginning to do things and then demanding that Europe all the other uh, countries that have done us wrong and we can document that wrong pay reparations that's that's how I look at it you know pay reparations to reparations means to repair we need to be repaired our land needs to be repaired Now, here in this country, the only uh, reparations that I, and please rescue me if I'm wrong, I know they've been talking about it, various places and various states. Uh, One of the closest uh, was California until Gavin Newsom said, wait a minute now. (laughs) We ain't paying that. We can't pay that. And then, of course, it's Evanston, Illinois, 
the sister who led the charge in Ella, Evanston, Illinois. I think she now is the mayor. I believe that she is. I'm not sure. That she is the mayor of Evanston, Illinois. And the Evanston, Illinois situation was the fact that the brothers and sisters were redlined and their properties were devalued. And it was proven. And so therefore, they had to be compensated for the loss. So we'll play a piece from Evanston, Illinois, and then a piece from other places on reparations. I saw a piece uh, last night, which is the most recent piece of some brothers and sisters who are I think it was in, yeah, Palm Beach, California family in California. Palm Beach, California. And, and uh, what happened was back in the 20s, they just took the land. <laughs> they just gave me and bulldozed them and just took the land. And now they're trying to do something Yeah. So I'm going to play that piece in Palm and uh, Palm Springs. But I'm going to play this one first if I have this together. And how American African residents in America's first city to fund reparations prove they were owed. This is the one in Evanston, Illinois family. Evanston, Illinois. Early in my childhood, I was invited to have a play date. My white friends never had a play date at my home. So I went to Megan's house. The streets were wider. The homes were bigger and brighter. It was obvious that it was the barrier of race that kept us from that because the segregation was race-based. Even here, Evanston, Illinois, a proudly liberal suburb of Chicago, the barrier and burden of race have long weighed heavy, like a winter storm. Evans's alderman for the Fifth Ward, Robin Rue Simmons, was born and raised in the historically black neighborhood she represents. This community was redlined historically, and that has come along with uh, damages that continue today. Resources were stripped away from the black community, along with wealth as well. The city's plan to change that? Reparations. An idea long debated, proposed over 150 years ago. First, 40 acres of land, later a mule. For formerly enslaved people to share the American dream built on their backs for free. We built this nation! A promise long broken, until now. This is a historic vote. Evanston is set to become the first U.S. city to pay out reparations. A total of $10 million, starting with increments of up to $25,000 per person for housing. I didn't 
start my um, elected career even discussing reparations. So what Never. I was looking at data. I was looking at what we had done, and reparations was the only answer. The only answer? The only, the answer. only answer. The only answer. Any more of the same was going to only, at best, help us sustain the oppressed state and the disparity that we have. Only? That's a big word. The only, only legislative response for us to reconcile the damages in the black community. Is reparations. Why housing? Specifically? Housing specifically and home ownership is a path to mm -hmm. begin to build wealth. You know, when you have stable housing, you have an opportunity just to breathe and think yeah. about what's next. It provides a sense of place in a community where we're largely renters now and we should be owning. <laughs> We anticipate litigation with the premise that you cannot use tax money that's from the public to benefit a particular group of people. But throughout history, taxes were used to benefit a certain group of people while others were excluded from that. Dino Robinson is the founder of Shorefront, an archive dedicated to chronicling and celebrating black life at Evanston, a richness long undervalued. His documentation going back to the late 1800s, invaluable in measuring the cost of racism and the need for reparations. Black community uh, members were moving throughout Evanston and forming, you know, pockets in the city of Evanston. And it caused the white community to start panicking, like, what do we do about this? The response to that panic? Redlining, a federally sanctioned project, assigning market value to neighborhoods, a grading system, a to D. The D areas were usually relegated to the black community. The area D was always in red. This deliberately pushed Evanston's black families into an area that became the Fifth Ward, segregating them from white families sought after property and ultimately wealth. Banks in Evanston would not loan to black families. Real estate agencies would not show you anything other than the Fifth Ward. That map still is the map of our concentrated black community, our disinvestment. Today, white residents of Evanston have nearly double the income and home value of black residents. This racial wealth gap is prevalent nationally, with black Americans possessing less than 15% of the wealth that white Americans have. I am 98 years old. We moved to Evanston in 1959. This is a lot. Black residents who lived through redlining and their descendants are eligible for reparations. That includes Ben Gaines Sr. and his son, Ben Jr. Ben Sr. grew up in 1920s Dixon, Kentucky, part of the Old South, the business end of an era's most violent weapon against African Americans, Jim Crow. He landed in Evanston. Here, Jim Crow wore a smile, but still inflicted harm on black home buyers. The contractor, he said, find a lot anywhere in Evanston, and I'll build whatever you want. 
Well, when he said that, he meant in, in the black neighborhoods. And we still have these same types of problems. Uncle Ben is a realist. He calls it like he sees it. Younger members of Ben Sr.'s family, his grandnephew Jared and his children, Nick and Maya, know a more progressive era. Growing up in Evanston for me was definitely good, despite the racism that I faced. Will you apply uh, for the reparations? I will, yeah. And why? Because it's old. Quote, unquote, wealthy African Americans are not the equivalent of, quote, unquote, wealthy white Americans in this country. A national reparations policy is a moral, democratic, and economic imperative. House Resolution 40 is the latest national step toward reparations. Supporters have included Ta-Nehisi Coates and actor Danny Glover. H.R. 40 was an opportunity uh, to have a commission to study reparations, but also the further context in which we look at slavery and the impact that it had on us. It seems to me your journey with reparations is America's journey with reparations. You are the grandson of sharecroppers, yeah. people who are a generation away from slavery. Yeah. I wonder if you've ever thought about how might Danny Glover's life have been different if your grandparents, the sharecroppers, had been given the reparations promised to them, had they been given 40 acres and a mule. How might your life have been different? <laughs> I, I, I never thought about that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I know they did what they, they, they could. They, they made it work with extraordinary belief in the possibility of this country. So you think Everson could be an example for the nation? I think it can. Everson, Illinois, did something that, that no other city has done. If we're able to use that as a platform, maybe other cities might adopt the whole idea of this. And other cities could take up Evanston's sweetly ironic funding solution, a 3% tax on newly legal marijuana sales. It's the most appropriate use for that sales tax. And in our city, 70% of the marijuana arrests were in the black community, and we're 16% of the community. All studies show that blacks and white consume cannabis at the same rate. There's been debate over whether those taxes can sustain the fund long term. And even those who proudly support reparations wonder aloud, is $25,000 too little, too late? There's a drop in the bucket. You have denied me all my 98 years. Hopefully, before I die, I'll see the world change. Uncle Ben, he's 98, so we can understand his skepticism. Where does your skepticism come from? I would say it's less like skepticism and more education. People who are acting like they're ready for change and behind closed doors, other things are happening, right? And we see that all the time in politics. What does it say that my 25-year-old has to feel like that? <laughs> you don't learn about these issues at your high school. We aren't really taught black history outside of, oh, you know, slaves came from Africa. So part of reparations, it can't just be money. Like, you have to teach us what we need to know. One could argue it's potentially more symbolic than it is substantive. I disagree that it's symbolic at all. I understand that $25,000 is life-saving for some families. But relative to the injury, it's not nearly enough, and I get that. This notion of reparations in Evanston isn't meant to be a drop in the bucket, but the beginning of a stream that becomes a river, that becomes Absolutely. an ocean. There is a lifetime of work ahead for us to get to justice 
For all of your work in this space, what worries you still? Not enough resource, not quick enough. Um, I do believe that we're committed as a city, and I can't wait to celebrate the family that receives their first reparation uh, benefit. I cannot wait for that day. Hi, everybody. Yeah, it's going to be a tough time coming. I'm going to play the most recent piece of the uh, situation in Evanston, Illinois. And because uh, it's interesting, and then I'm going to play the piece uh, coming out of uh, Palm Springs, California, and what they did to those brothers and sisters there. You know, I think this is it here. This morning, California's. No, I apologize, apologize. It's not, that's not the one. See, what I've noticed, of course, with with um, YouTube, and you can do something, and then the next time you, you think that where it was, you'll get it back, and uh, no, you don't. It's not there, and something else is there. And so now that particular piece that I wanted to uh, play is not there. So anyway, let's... Um, take a break and we come back from the break uh we'll play the piece and then we'll open up the phone lines and give me uh your perspective on the issue of reparations and um how do you think we should go about it i i'm i'm definitely like i'm definitely for reparations but not for the way that ados because <laughs> that's what they're looking for a check and in their mindset no no africans that have come here whether from the Caribbean or from the motherland, are eligible. Only the descendants, I guess, within their name, the descendants. You know, and they want money. I want to be repaired. I want that those that reparation to be used for machinery, for schools, for education, for building. I want to put us in a position we'll be self-sustaining. We got resources. In fact, really, you know, uh, the honest argument is that we don't need reparations. We have all we need if we would come together, pull our resources. But reparations are owed to not seek and get reparations does a dishonor and a disservice to our ancestors. So yes, we seek reparations. So, okay, brothers and sisters, we'll be right back. You're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timefornawakening.com. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com.
It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Broken glass everywhere. People on the stage, you know they just don't care. I can't take the smell, can't take the noise. Got no money to move out, I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room, roaches in the back. Junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far. Cause a man with the tow truck repossessed my car. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Standing on the front stoop, hanging out the window, watching all the cars go by, roaring as the breeze is blown. A crazy lady living in a bag, eating out of garbage bells, used to be a fag hag, such a dash tango, skipping life and tango. As her gone princess seemed to lost her senses, down at the peep show, watching all the creeps, so she could tell her stories, took the girls back home. She went to the city and got so, so, so did it, she had to get a pimp, she couldn't make it on her own. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge, I'm trying Not to lose my head. <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. My brother's doing fast on my mother's TV. Says she watches too much. It's just not healthy. All my children in the daytime, Dallas at night. Can't even see the game or the Sugar Ray fight. The bill collectors, they ring my phone and scare my wife when I'm not home. Got a bump education, double digit inflation. Can't take the train to the job. There's a strike at the station. Neon King Kong standing on my back. Can't stop to turn around. Broke my sacroiliac. A mid-range migraine cancer membrane. Sometimes I think I'm going insane. I swear I might hijack a plane. Don't push me. Call, I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. My son said, Daddy, I don't want to go to school because the teacher's a jerk. He must think I'm a fool. And all the kids smoke reefer. I think it'd be cheaper if I just got a job, learn to be a street sweeper. I dance to the beat, shuffle for my feet, wear a shirt and tie, and run with the creeps. Because it's all about money. Ain't a damn thing funny. You got to have a con in this land of milk and honey. They push that girl in front of the train. Took her to the doctor, sold her arm on the game. Stabbed that man right in his heart. Gave him a transplant for a brand new start. I can't walk through the park cause it's crazy after dark. Keep my hand on my gun cause they got me on the run. I feel like an outlaw. Broke my last glass jaw. Hear them say you want some more living on a seesaw. Don't push me cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Say what? It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep them going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. A child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too, because only God knows what you'll go through. You'll grow in the ghetto, living second rate, and your eyes will sing a song of deep hate. The places you play and where you stay looks like one great big alleyway. You'll admire all the number book takers, thugs, pimps, and pushers, and the big money makers. Driving big cars, spending 20s and 10s, and you want to grow up to be just like them. <laughs> Smugglers, scramblers, 
burglars, gamblers, pickpocket peddlers, even panhandlers. You say I'm cool, I'm no fool, but then you wind up dropping out of high school. Now you're unemployed, all non-void, walking around like your pretty boy Floyd. Turn stick up, kid, but look what you done did. Got sent up for an eight-year bid. Now your manhood is took, and you're a make tag. Spend the next two years as an undercover fag, being used in the pews to serve like hell. To one day you was found hung dead in the cell. It was plain to see that your life was lost. You was cold and your body swung back and forth. But now your eyes sing the sad, sad song of how you live so fast and die so young. So don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> Yo, Mel, you see that girl, man? Yeah, man. Yo, that sound like cowboy, man. Yo, what's up, buddy? Yo. You are listening to Time For an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Once again, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. Yeah, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Yeah, it might be the 50th year of hip-hop, but that is the baddest cut. I say that if that ain't in the top five, top ten for sure, hell, it should be number one. That was a bad piece, and y'all know it. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, um, here's a piece that I uh, was on ABC Nightline last night, dealing with reparations at Palm Springs, and he talked about Evanston, too. And, and what was discussed about Evanston It just didn't turn out that way. The old the brother who was ninety something years old, he passed before he realized anything. It's just like Tulsa, the three living descendants, all over a hundred years old. When I went to Tulsa in twenty twenty one, and one of them recently passed, and of course, the Tulsa Oklahoma Council denied them reparations denied them. You know, the idea of these Caucasians giving us any restitution, any money that would deal with the harm and humiliation that we have suffered, you know, just ain't happening. I mean, I guess when their argument for the Japanese was, you know, it was many people saw it. It was documented. It was we took them from their homes and put them in concentration camps or whatever hell they wanted to call them. 
you know, determined internment camps or whatever. So, and they lost property and so forth. So, you know, we're going to, as a country, you know, make them whole. Um, you know, the European Jews, although we didn't do what the Germans did to them, but we're going to, <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to pay them <laughs> and we're going to help them get whatever restitution that they feel is necessary. But we're supposed to just get nothing unlike it. Get nothing unlike it. In fact, the Caucasian mindset is, and I'm serious, we took you out of Africa. You, your ass could be over in Africa worshiping a tree. You should be happy. You should, yeah, okay, you don't have your language, your traditions, your this, that, and the other. So what? That wasn't about shit anyway. You in America. You know? You in America. And so you should be happy. <laughs> Here's the piece on Palm Springs. I want to get a lot of people in the queue. So how you want to uh, discuss this? Let me play this particular piece and then we're going to open up the phone line. Stay with us, brothers. Listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network. Palm Springs, California, the diamond in the desert, once home away from home for Hollywood's rich and famous, a storybook setting with a story and a secret all its own. Palm Springs is home. It's life for me. It's my blood. It's my sweat. It's everything. And for Pearl Devers, that story left a scar. There's not a hint or a trace that we ever existed here. Not an ounce. That's the painful part. Pearl says her childhood home was forcibly taken by the city of Palm Springs in the 60s when she was 12. The home that my father built was burned, bulldozed over by the city fire department. As many as a thousand people lost their homes with, they say, little or no warning. They never told us to leave. You come home and you, your home is gone. A state attorney general's report called what happened a city-engineered holocaust. Basically, this story was buried for decades. Palm Springs' best-kept secrets until now. Tonight, inside one group's fight for reparations. When some folk hear the word reparations, they get tight in the chest. They think, wait a minute, you're asking me to pay for something that I didn't do, I wouldn't hear. You say what? You're directly benefiting off the property uh, that you removed us from. Maybe you should have did your history a little better before you move here. As the national debate rages over what, if anything, should be done to pay for America's sins against communities of color. We check in on the first city in the nation to implement reparations, the resolve and the roadblocks. Last we spoke two years ago, you said that, quote, not enough resources, not enough commitment. Did those worries come true? Absolutely. Uh, these are a few pictures of uh, my family from uh, Section 14 of one of my uncles, some of the homes in the background there. Dieter Crawford's family came from Texas and Mississippi in the 1950s to Palm Springs. Part of the black migration, go west, young man, that rings true to most of the families that uh, relocated out here. Most of those working class folk, black and brown people, lived here. One square mile tract of tribal land called Section 14, prime real estate in downtown Palm Springs. It's tribal land owned by the Aqua Caliente. They were the only community willing to allow black and brown families to live 
uh, on their land. Attorney Areva Martin is representing some who lived on Section 14 and their descendants. The irony was for a lot of these families, they were escaping the Jim Crow South, only to find that some of the same Jim Crow laws and policies were very much prevalent in Palm Springs. City documents from that era refer to substandard housing conditions on Section 14 and paint a portrait of Palm Springs' desire to, quote, clean up the land. We often hear that the homes on Section 14 were ran down. It looks like a nice house to me. How could we build Palm Springs and not have our own homes nice? Mm. When a federal law passed in 1959, expanding the length of leases on tribal land to 99 years, Section 14 suddenly became attractive to developers. Section 14, as a part of the city's grander plan, uh, has been commercially developed. Uh, there's been hotels, spas casino, convention center, condominiums. According to state documents, in 1964, the city of Palm Springs approached the conservator with a plan to raise Section 14. The city would then clear the land using city funds. Now, this happened 60-plus years ago, long before you were born. Do you think it's had any impact on your life? Yeah, the generational trauma that was passed down to us, as well as uh, the generational wealth that we lost. A home today in Palm Springs goes for over uh, $1.3 million. Dieter is part of the Section 14 Survivors Group, a group founded by Pearl. What's that cement slab right there? Oh, my God. That's the foundation of one of our neighborhood homes. Evidence, that's where we were. Did your family receive any relocation assistance, any compensation from the city? Nothing. My mother... Became a single mom, and my father succumbed to alcohol, could not handle it. This strong-willed man began to drink until he died. Broke his spirit. Totally broken. In 2021, Palm Springs formally apologized for its role in the forced evictions and began discussing the possibility of a reparations program. City of Palm Springs staff drove bulldozers that took down people's homes. We cannot erase our role in what happened. And in 2022, remove the statue of Frank Bogart, the mayor during that period. I support the city providing financial support to those impacted by these past city actions. But financial support has yet to come. The city declined Nightline's interview request. In a statement, they said the city has an obligation to thoroughly investigate the history as it develops remedial programs that are fair to everyone. Last year, Attorney Martin filed a tort claim on behalf of the Section 14 survivors, placing an estimated monetary value of up to $2 billion in harm. She continues to negotiate with the city on behalf of Section 14 survivors. When this is done, and I have every reason to believe it will be done, it will be history-making. Robin Rue Simmons knows what it takes to make reparations come to fruition. She led the effort in Evanston, Illinois, the first city to do it. Cities everywhere are looking to Evanston. They're saying, this city did it, our city can do it too. In the past five years, nearly a dozen cities have pledged reparations for African Americans. Well, some have argued that local, state, and private reparations efforts across the country take away from federal reparation efforts. I completely disagree. We don't say, don't have a violence reduction strategy locally until we address, you know, national gun violence. 
this community was redlined. We first met Simmons in 2021, just as the city was beginning to implement their 10-year, $10 million reparations program, initially in the form of a $25,000 housing voucher for ancestors and descendants who'd survived racist redlining and housing discrimination. For all of your work in this space, what worries you still? Not enough resource, not quick enough. Um, I do believe that we're committed as a city. Her worries were well-founded. Everston has come under scrutiny for what some see as a slow rollout. Eight, one, eight. In January of 2022, Evanston City Council held a lottery-type drawing to announce the first 16 out of 140 approved ancestors to receive that housing voucher. That's a new window, and they repaired the chimney, and they put on the new roof. 74-year-old Ramona Burton was one of the first to receive the money. I don't think it's enough, but it's a start. But the amount of recipients stalled at 16 for more than a year. We've had to learn a lot of, along, along the way. There were no models. There was stall in getting the revenue. We pivoted to add an additional revenue source, and so now we have more funding coming in. They've also amended the ways people can receive reparations, adding a cash benefit option. I'm not satisfied with the amount of disbursements, but we are making progress. You have denied me all my 98 years. Hopefully, before I die, I'll see the world change. Ben Gaines Sr. was number 62 on the list. The former Pullman Porter left the Jim Crow South for Evanston. Redlined but determined, he and his wife built a home. A white contractor very explicitly told him and my mother, I'll build a house for you anywhere within that redline zone. Nowhere outside of it. So back then, green money wasn't enough money. Exactly. Gaines celebrated his 100th birthday while waiting for his $25,000 housing voucher. In April, he died, still waiting. One of the 11 ancestors to pass before receiving reparations. It's just unjust. Uh, he should have been prioritized. There is a sadness in your eyes now. Yeah. With all the promises and all the hoopla, he never got to see it. And when I think about the seniors who've passed away, people who applied, who were all in, who bought it, but who never saw a penny of this money, how does it hit you? Well, I hope that they transition hopeful and not disappointed. I heard from seniors that said, if I don't receive a dollar, this city have it, has acknowledged this harm and committed to a process. To date, the city has distributed $2.7 million to 107 people. The commitment has also grown from $10 million to $20 million. You endured direct harm from our city and this nation, and you did so while raising a community. This is not a punishment to white America. This is justice for black America. That's right, justice. Justice, family. That's what we see. That's what I'm saying. You know, uh, I believe in reparations, but, you know, to get some money is just like a stimulus package, you know? 
I'm going to give you the money, and of course you're going to go out there and you're going to buy this. You know, probably won't pull the monies together to build anything. You buy from the other white folks at their stores. Yeah, we have a lot of callers. If you want to jump in this conversation, brothers and sisters, hit star twice. Hit star twice. You can join the conversation. <coughs> hit star twice. Or you can dial 215. Dial 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. Sister Abia, good afternoon. How are you? Okay. Jay, good afternoon. How you doing? What's popping, brother Oshi? How are you and the rest of the crew today? Uh, we're well, brother. We're here. That's for sure. Yes, and the white man's not going to give you no damn reparations. <laughs> I wish y'all Negroes would cut it out. <laughs> Pat Buchanan told y'all a long time ago, the yeah. only way we going to give y'all reparations is when the government needs the money back. And the economy <laughs> is tanking yeah. because we know once we give this money to these Negroes, these Negroes are just going to facilitate it right back into the good old white man's pocket. Yeah. That's why, you know, when you say that you don't want money in regards to reparations like days Adolf and B1 Negroes always talking about, I have to in a sense agree with you, you know, because the reality is if you give the money to the Negro, the Negro just go give it right back to the cracker. Yeah. And, and, And that's just the reality. So in that case, how is the lives of black people better? What is it going to do in regards to building neighborhoods and communities? Because truthfully, we don't have neighborhoods and communities at this time that are functional for the upliftment and the development of black people and to gain some sort of sovereignty. I mean, you know, we at some point in time going to really, really have to make some critical statements in regards to the direction that we are as a people are going. Because, you know, from what I'm seeing and observing, to be honest with you, Ochi, is the Negro, and I know Irv is going to get on me for this, mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways, the Negro is going backwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he's going backwards is because of his dependency and his love of the white man. Mm-hmm. See, because the white man is using his usefulness for you. Right. I mean, in all honesty, if you got a influx of these illegals coming into the country, don't you have to get them into the economy in this country? Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. whereby who you think is going to suffer for that. We are. 
now we have a certain group of black people that's not going to suffer but on the whole black people go suffer Mm -hmm. yeah that's just real talk it's unfortunate but it's real talk and Mm -hmm. we're not doing anything at this time to prepare ourselves honestly for the future just because you have a education you have a degree and all of that that doesn't mean well, it doesn't guarantee you anything the white man is obligated right. to do anything do for your black exactly because see we are job seekers you know yeah. we're not job givers they are job givers and who we seek jobs from can't stand our ass you know hate us to death yeah and now he got other he got other ethnic groups that yeah. could perform the same job and do it on the cheap Mm-hmm. So whereby where where does that leave black folks? So mm-hmm. I mean we we're, we're just at a critical stage, and I don't even think our leadership. I know for a fact our leadership doesn't see it that way. You know mm-hmm. because they're too busy trying to get the Negro to vote for the Democratic Party. That's their. To me, it just getting to the point where that's the Negro's sole purpose right now is to to, to to vote for the Democratic Party. And every time I look at the way that they treat black people, all you have to do is observe how they treat men. You yeah. know, Mabby Harris. I mean, Mabby Harris gets no respect whatsoever. Here it is, they talking about getting rid of Sleepy Joe, Smoky Joe, Joey Joe, whatever the cracker name is, and they never talk about. Well, she, they're not going to elevate her. The head of the no, with her. they're not going to elevate never. her. No. So what do that tell you? Yeah. And she's number two in line. Right. That's telling you number one, they have no respect for you. And That's telling you number two, they don't value her, 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 her much, her much behind. You know what I mean? It's it's just basically it, it a all joke. depends, then, Jay. It all depends because in the election process, if it is Joe Biden, she's <laughs> going to be there because she was there to help him get in that position. No, nobody voted more strongly for the Democratic ticket than American African women, and 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 with oh, her in that position, she'll she'll still bring that vote to the table, but. If she's gone, that could be interesting. You know, sisters will feel betrayed. Maybe out of the 95 that did, maybe only 80. And that's serious if they don't do that. It, this is going to be a very interesting upcoming election next year. I, I, you know, I still can't see Donald Trump being in a position to run with all the things hey, that are I going got, on. I got, I got, I got, I got 25 dollars that he wins it. So, you you know, I don't want him to win it, but, you know, I'm a betting man. I like to lay down bets that I believe I have a great chance of winning. Uh, well, and if you bet 25,000, you bet 25K, <laughs> you better believe that you have a good and, chance and, to and, win. And the, and the thing is, the thing is this. The white man knows that his position is dwindling. And the white man will never give this up. Don't don't believe for a minute that the white man go give this up and let some uh, Jigaboo, Spooks, Coons, 
Baba Louie's essays, meet a meet a men and women run this country over there. That ain't gonna happen. They'll we'll they'll, they'll blow this up. Yeah. They'll they'll I, destroy I, this yeah, before I, they ever be under the substitute of as they would call a monkey, a chimp, all these other derogatory things that they refer to people of color as it ain't happening in this right. country. And if you think it is, yeah. and you think that you got enough power and position for it to happen, I'm going to tell you right now, you a goddamn fool. Yeah. And you. on that note, let's right, hear brother. from Paul or Irv, because <laughs> I know they're in the queue. All right, bro. Peace. <laughs> Peace. All right. Uh, Phoenix, brother Hassan. Good afternoon. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, my brother. Ah, how you doing, man, Marcus? How are you? Marcus. Yes, indeed. Right on, brother Marcus. You know what? They're, you know what? These people, intention, you know, they they use black people, they use black people as, um, as the hammer. You hearing me? Okay. Yeah, so they use black people, you know, as the hammer, the saw, the, the you know, to build America. That's what they did. They use us to build America, and when they use us to build America, they don't give the hammer or the saw credit. No, they give of the course credit not. to them. Right. You know, so they don't. Have, they, I be, I understand what you're saying. They have no intention of anything to anybody unless you have you know they are forced to do it mm-hmm. see if we, they have to have something over them head to to let them know hey if you don't pay this you know right then you go you, you know they, exactly. there is some repercussion you mm-hmm. know because it's power we're dealing with you know they it got is. the power they yeah. got the power but as we see the country is slowly slipping away it's slowly slipping away and you know it's kind of crazy too because some of these people um that were in trump's camp they got they um charged them some of these people came out and said yes you know we 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 were wrong and they charged them mm-hmm. so how does yeah. how does if he wins then what they're gonna do? Say you know what? We, we're not gonna give it to you, you know, because you you you, you know we know you're a liar, a thief, you know. Yeah. This well, to me, gonna go up in smoke. Hmm? To me, it is the the electorate, particularly for those who are following Trump. It you know it's it is truly mesmerizing. It's cult like as this man has done what he's done. He's died four times, impeached twice. All these charges against him, he is shown to be an habitual liar from day one. I mean, all his history, there should be no way in hell that he should, you know, be able to run. Mm. You know, shouldn't be, but yeah, of course yeah. it is. That's and and the fact and the fact that there are those just like Jay, Jay said he can he, he can throw down twenty five G, you know, that he yeah, that Trump would win. I, I don't believe he has a snowball's chance in hell. But the fact that people have such a disfavor of, of uh, Joe Biden, you know, 
I think the Democratic Party really need to look at that situation, find somebody in the Democratic Party right now. They, although uh, the, the political pundits say it's too late. Well, shit, the election ain't but a year away. It ain't never too late. But I know it's too late, you know. Man, my thing is, if he wins now, we're going to see what won't happen because yeah. are they going to say, hey, Trump, okay, you, 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 the people elect you so you can get it, or, you know, your country well, well, might split. You might see yeah. the country start to split. Oh, yeah, physically. I mean, serious yeah. conflict because, I mean, this man is on uh, what he's saying is insane. The things that he's proposing to do and wanting to do and the things that he has done. Well, the, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, tell you, so, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Next year, 2024, yeah. you got to get a strap. Yep. Next year at this time. Next, yeah, next year at this time, it should be very interesting, yeah, brother. I'm telling you. Yes, sir. <laughs> Anyway, I'm here listening, brother. Right on. Thank you, brother. All right, brother All right. Marcus. Peace. Right. <laughs> yeah. Brother Paul, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning to everybody. Good. How are you, Baba Ochi? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You got you, you got much love this morning uh, uh, from uh, from the, uh, the from the radio program, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, oh, I tell you what, um, Baba Ochi, you know, it's 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 being able to engage on your side of the pond with pe- people like yourself and others, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's therapy, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, boy, absolute therapy. Because yeah. the truth be known, um, you know, I I did I had a thought, and everything starts in your mind. You think of something, you realize because I've been in America, I've got family in America. Sure. I just, I just felt that, um, you know, I, one, one thing I felt is that they, in you in America, didn't really know us here. You didn't really, I don't, I, don't, I didn't really feel that you knew we even existed really here. Mm-hmm. You understand? Because I was listening for a long time, and you know, you wait on others to who you assume have more knowledge than you, or you assume a better spokespeople are you to do the necessary work, but it doesn't get done. And then you look at yourself in the mirror and then you realize the only way it's going to get done is if you take a role. That's right. So That's right. you understand that, that that was a learning lesson for me. You know what I mean? Yep. Because, and I've learned that, you know, before in my life, you know what I mean? Things where you think others should, who, who are better equipped, maybe better qualified to do, should do, and they don't do it right. for some strange reason. So right. the bottom line is, the other thing is, Baba Ochi is the... Uh, and acknowledge these things and uh you you um brother Elliot and and the listeners brother jay who are who you know like i said again when i first rang this radio station he was the one to speak up and say listen make sure you keep in touch and I, that touched me man because right he didn't need to say that yeah you understand that's what he said he come out of his mouth he said make sure you keep in touch you understand mm. and that that's that's that to me that's how we should behave with each other anyway. Yeah. You understand? And I think yeah. if we if we just know instead of hating on each other, being bad minded in Jamaica, they say red eye. If you're red eye, they call it in Jamaica, meaning bad minded or whatever. 
if, if, if you behave like that, how are we going to get anywhere? You understand? So thank you for saying that. But, Baba Ochi, I want to I wanna talk about reparations, yeah? Okay. And I want to push back hard on brother, our, killer, our brother Killer Jay. But you know what? I might change his name to Uncle Ruckus soon, <laughs> right? <laughs> Go ahead, man. <laughs> if he continues down that road, I'm going to call him Uncle Damn Ruckus, right? Because hear what? Reparation. That, you know, you know, Bobochi, you said you've done coaching, yeah? And you know... And you've coached in, in in what you call football, right? Right, American football. Yeah, you know. I don't need to tell you this, and I don't even need to ask you this because it's a rhetorical question. But I know you know that if if you're lead, if you're trying to coach a team, you can't tell them that they're going to lose. Right. They got no chance Never. of winning. Never. <laughs> Never. Even if you know. Yeah. Even if you know in your heart that some of them players ain't up to it. They're never really going to make it, right. yeah? You can tell them that they have no chance in hell. You understand? <laughs> because it's pointless. It's pointless That's to right. even going out there. You That's understand? Right. Might as right? well not show up. So as a coach, yeah. So as a coach, you know that every word what comes out of your mouth, whether you believe it, whether you know it or not, has to be one to, of encouragement. Right. It has to be one of uh, positive heading towards the prize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. And sometimes, right, I, I used to play football. I've done all sports, right? And some, you know, sometimes, right, if, you, if you're doing a thing, yeah, like I, I done a particular sport, it was high jump, yeah, and I didn't think I was going to, I had no chance of winning. Most of the guys who are competing were taller than me, more agile than me. And one year I took part in it and I won it. And I couldn't even if I won it, I couldn't even believe myself that I won it. You mm -hmm. understand? Yes. Because and then what I learned from that, what I did, I had the you know there's a star called Frisbee Frock. They call it the Frisbee right. Frock. Right, yep, I remember that. And I remember him. The, I remember the, that the, when he when he did it, because yeah. the, the high jump was a lot different. And and, and Fosbury came up with the Fosbury flop. In fact, that revolutionized it, and now everybody high jumps that way. Yep. Well, yeah, thank you for that because I didn't know that, yes. right? And you're 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 older than me. You're my senior. You're my elder. <laughs> so that's that's a perfect piece of knowledge for me because all the time I didn't know that. But yeah. I knew this style called a frisbee flop, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was my coach who told me it, yeah. And you know what I'm saying to you? I remember running running at the bar and just jumping. <laughs> all the techniques he was showing me, I'll just run at the bar and just jump as high as I can. And I get over. And I even couldn't believe it myself when I got over. So when it came to the competition, there were certain characters who I knew from the area, right, from school. And I just thought, they're going to win because I know they were taller than me, stronger than me, and they were going to win. But somehow they didn't, and I beat them. And what I learned from that is that in your mind, yeah, you have to remove doubt of That's anything, right. anything. That's right. Think you, you don't even have to convince yourself you're going to win. You just need to run at the object yes. and just do what you have to do, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes magic takes place. Well, I call it magic because at the end of the day, I tell you, I don't know, even when they were giving me the medal, I was looking at them as just to say, me? You understand? So 
certain things like that have happened in my life, yeah? And I learned from that, and I, I've used that in practice many things. Yeah. I won't let nobody tell me it can't be done. I set up a computer business. Many people told me so, so much crap. I ended up with so much work, right? I was so overloaded with work. And I, even then, I was thinking, these white people are coming to me like I know anything, yeah? Seriously, they were asking me all kind of questions, and sometimes I'd laugh to myself, thinking, you know what, right? I ain't going to tell them that I don't know. I'm just going to find out how to do it. You That's understand? Right. That's right. And, you know, so all of us have different experiences. And I'm, when you come back to reparations, right, I studied law, okay? I studied law. I went to university. I got a degree in law. And I had all the ideas to become a lawyer. But I, I would honestly say because of my temperament, and other things, I didn't become a lawyer because I wasn't prepared to put up with certain things what I saw and going on and the way they wanted to treat me. I, I just couldn't do it. Although my dad said, continue with it, I just couldn't take it. I know, because I ain't got the temperament to do that. I, I hit back if I, if you if you take it too far. I hear so, you, brother. you know, I... I, 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 I yeah, I, I just ain't got it. And some things I saw. Listen, I was in court one day. I had to walk out of court. The way the judge spoke to the what we call barristers, the lawyer. There, I said, Nah, man, I, I can't do this, man, because I know that he couldn't speak to me like that. Because I'd have to answer him back, and they'd probably disbar me. Mm -hmm. So I know I couldn't do that. But here, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, what I learned about reparations is that it's a legal remedy. And, and you know what? It's not being taught properly. It's a legal remedy under international law yes that's what reparations is yeah and what that means is that um, you you have to on the ground level the ground level has to organize itself into some corporate entity for instance like like a like some corporation or company right and 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 then you use your representatives to get you that I don't think that's being done because it, those who represent, they're not explaining to the people what this thing is. The difference, what I'm saying, is compensation. Compensation and reparations is not the same thing. Compensation can be gained at a local level, like through the courts, through local administrations, like like what you're talking about, um, the land, the, the the redlining and the land right. compensation thing. Right. 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 What those people received is being termed reparations, but it's not reparations no. as such. Right. Although saying that, I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't looked at the cases yet. I knew about this long time ago because I saw when it came out in the, and I, a brief look at it, but I haven't gone into it. But what I'm saying to is. Reparations applies when you go to the government for money. Now, let me talk, say, I'm not going to carry on for much longer, but let me say this. You see, when it comes, you, you say one perfect thing. You say you want it to, reparation to receive internationally. Well, of course, because it's inter, it comes under international law, right? So mm -hmm. what I'm saying is you are taking your government to court. Right. Not the local yes. for you're taking your government, right. the yes. American government. Now, one one point in the preparation argument with the government, yeah, white people say, "Oh, had nothing to do with me." Now they can't argue that when you realize it's the government you're taking to the court, court, right. because it's the same government you have today, the same government who who done those wrongs to you. That's it's right. not the people; right. it was the government. Right. Okay? And this is not being explained to the people. So when white people say, oh, well, it wasn't me and all that, I've heard that argument. You tell them, it's not you I'm taking to court. It's the government. Okay? It's the government. Your government. Right? Who are the same government who committed these wrongs.
okay? And they then have to find the money. The government is supposed to be a representative of the people. In your country, right, the Federal Reserve, which is a private company, is the one who prints the money. In 1972, uh, Nixon removed the gold standard. So your country prints money from thin air. No <laughs> other country on the planet has yeah. that power. The federal, no other country on the planet has the power of the Federal Reserve. In actual fact, right, the Federal Reserve set that example, okay? So what I'm saying is, your country should have no problem paying reparations to the whole right. damn planet because it's printing money out of thin air. Yes. And these You're things are right. being explained. These are the arguments you need to put to these officials. And when they say, oh, you ain't got money from 1972, when Nixon removed the gold standard, money is being printed by a private company called right. the Federal Reserve. Exactly. Okay? It's not tied to the government, so what, the Federal what, Reserve. What, what, Yep. Right. So mm -hmm. why? So why can't they print the money? Why? You see, because they're confusing the people. They talk about this crap about, oh, we ain't got the money. You're printing it from toilet paper. How come you ain't got the money? Right. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you another thing. Yeah. One, one last thing. The problem. I have one problem. Um. Um. Uh, Baba Ochi, my elder, with what you say. One little problem. So, uh, can I get your permission to address that? Go ahead. Go ahead, my brother. Please. Okay. Listen. What I'm saying is this, yeah. Um, you, you you say uh, about you, um, give the people money, all right? Well, I, I thought about that because it's not just you say that. That that is a big argument I hear over here by some of the leading people who are pushing reparations. And I've been in the meetings because I got involved. I went on the marches and I listened carefully. And I thought to myself, well, how can that work? Now, from my understanding of law, I know expert. Okay, I've told you, I, I bowed out of that. But I sat in court for about eight years of my life. Every day, my working day was sitting in court. So I, had, I even had more knowledge than some of the lawyers because every day I was in court, whether it was the high court, whether it was the criminal court, whether it was the civil court, I was in court for eight years every day of my life. And I started to realize things and see things even more than the people who uh, were lawyers. And they're not in court because not every lawyer is in court. Some are administrators. Right. Some are, uh, Different types of lawyers. They're right. They're but not trial lawyers. Life. They're not even in court. Yeah. Every time I was in court for eight, mm. nine years. All right. So what I'm saying is one thing I, uh, what I learned is that court, the court, for instance, or a legal remedy, you cannot say for instance, let me give you the example I'm saying. If someone comes in your house and robs you, uh, interferes with your children, does all sorts of nefarious things in your home, totally disrupts it, you cannot go to that person. It's not morally right or logical to go to that person and ask him to build you a damn school. He, you, how are you going to ask him? He just robbed your house, interfered with your children, interfered with your wife. He is morally corrupt. There's something wrong with that person. He's a criminal. You cannot ask a criminal to buy your, build your school or give you some educational, because the type of education the school is going to build you, you ain't going to want, right? So the only remedy he can give you, right, is compensation. And that compensation I can't see any other compensation than monetary because any other compensation that criminal gives you is going to be a problem. Right. It's, it is going to be, end up to be a problem because he's criminally minded. He has got issues which is going to try and twist you up or get some of that back. So what I'm saying is, the point I'm trying to make is that the court or the, the remedy really can only be monetary. Now, the problem we have, 
Our problem is that we haven't taken the responsibility to organize ourselves. This is the one thing I have to agree with our, our, our Uncle Ruckus. I mean, Brother Jay, right? <laughs> um, we, 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 we have to organize ourselves effectively. Right. And that's what we're lacking. We're lacking that. We have to take the responsibility. We have to have the ability to respond, to organize ourselves effectively into groups, right? So that we start creating workshops of how to manage money, how, what we're going to do with the money. That's our responsibility. I that's agree, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, yes. Brother Paul, right. that so we have organized ourselves to the point that when we get this money, that we will, nobody will dictate or tell us what the hell we're going to do. Right. We're going to do it on our right. own. This is our responsibility. And, and that, 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 that that is our goal. That yeah. is the thing we be. That is the thing we need to champion. Any by any means, we have to get it into our people's minds that this this kind of um, lack and this kind of just this kind of um, get go along to get along attitude cannot run in 2023. We have to get more organized. We have to be more disciplined. We cannot play with this thing. And I, listen, Brother Ochi, they don't know. When I hear Brother Jay know, I think to myself, he, there's so many things he don't know. They are right now organizing money. Right? But, but let me tell you what they're trying to do. Hold on, Let me try to explain what they're trying to do, Bob Bolchi. Yeah? They're, they're, internationally, they are having meetings between the universities. I follow these things. They are actively having meetings between the universities, right? But the Marmars, for instance, I'm going to give you this. The Marmars recently took the British government to court for what the nefarious things that the um, British army carried out in Kenya. Okay? okay. They won. Yeah. They won money. They won reparation money, yeah? But what happened is the lawyers got most of the money. Now, listen to me carefully. <laughs> That's what they're planning now. Yeah. These officials from universities are going around meeting up each other. They know money's coming. It's coming. Trust me on that. But what's going to happen is because the people are ignorant and divided, they won't see it when it comes. What will happen is they'll just get words. But those who are sitting in the universities going around and having their meetings and their workshop right now, they're going to end up getting it and the lawyers. So people, you better wake up because I've been following these things. I've sat in the meetings and stuff and they are organizing it right now all over the world because that's how they work. All right, my brother. All right. Brother Irv, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Baba Oshi. I, I don't know what to say after that. Uh, brother Paul, uh, brother Paul is, is interesting. I, yeah. I love brother Paul, and I love brother. I love you. I love everyone who calls. But um, we we have to learn. We have to learn uh, as a people to communicate, and we have to learn to communicate proficiently. In other words, we don't have time to argue with each other. We have time. We do have time to disagree with each other but we don't have time to argue with each other. And, and let's be perfectly clear. We're all taking different roads to get to the same place. We're all trying to get to self-determination. We're all trying to get to education, liberation, revolutionary, a revolutionary thought. We may be taking different roads, but we have to learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. Now, I know some of you may not agree with that because you got to bring the passion when you speak because for, for some reason, if, if I don't bring passion when I speak, I think people don't hear me. But okay. believe me, okay. 
I hear I hear what you don't say. Mm-hmm. I, I hear what you don't say, and I and I listen to everything you say, because I can be regurgitated. You know, th- there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so many things you can do, and do proficiently. You know, being in the room doesn't mean you were in the room. See, the, what I mean by that is that the the um. The meeting before the meeting is the one that we're <laughs> That's not. That's right. At. Exactly. You weren't privy to that. Yeah. You weren't privy to that. No. But mm-hmm. real quickly before the time runs out, I just wanted to say one thing. I, I thought about something today that when you were small, when you were small and mm-hmm. you got into a fight with an older person, like a 16 year old, if, if, if a seven year old person smacked a 16 year old, should the 16 year old stomp him to death? Because he could beat him. That right. 16-year-old can, can hurt that yeah, little boy. Yeah. And, and this is what you're seeing Badly. in Gaza. Yeah. You're seeing, you're seeing two Palestinians get killed and 1,300. Yeah. Pal- I mean, two, two Israelis get killed and 1,300 Palestinians get killed. Right. See, you, they already have the might. Yeah. So now you're, you're, it, doesn't, it doesn't match. And you can see it doesn't match. Yeah. So there's an agenda here. And if, I'm telling you, Baba Oji, yeah. they've been fight- this fight's been going on for 70-some years. This ain't nothing new. These are cousins fighting. And I'm yeah. telling you, if, if, Ameri- if the American government allows this genocide and this ethnic cleansing to go forth, they're going to look back at it and do the same thing they do about slavery, cognitive dissonance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's just what happens. No, it's not. You participated. You, you made it happen. You could have stopped it, but you didn't. And that is and that is what we as a people have to understand that we're dealing with a psychopath. Yeah. Now you can say all the good things he's done and all the great things he's helped people do, but he's a psychopath as a whole. This is how these people move. They move they move in a in a way that they care but they care about no one but themselves. So I just wanted to say that and get all that right. out. I I agree with I agree with Brother Paul, Brother Jay. I, I agree with what they're saying. It's yeah. a, there's a place for all of it, and we can debate it till the cows come home. But at I the end it. of the day, we're all American Africans. That's right. So we all put Africa first. And I if that's what you're doing, we are, you on board with me. Right on, but my brother. But if you're not, I have a problem with that. I believe it right there. Okay. Uh, three four seven three four seven. Good afternoon. Hello. Yes, three four seven. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, greetings. Greetings, 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 greetings my uh, sister. How you doing? Good. Yeah, enjoying your your program. Um, and so, uh, you know, I it, it the the thing with the, I I did agree with with um whether the just uh, herb was that, that uh-huh. yeah that was herb spoke? yes mm-hmm. yeah and so I I agree with that that um. You know, we we have you know having unity um, uh, and is is real important in that we realize that you know there's there's just different um, you can take different routes to to achieve your goal, you know, which is for our, our liberation, mm-hmm. and uh, and and that's real important to keep keep in mind. You know, we have different approaches to, to do it. And so far, and and I'm uh, I'm agreeing. I'm, I believe in reparation. And I think, and I was agreeing with a lot with with with, with Bob, uh, brother Paul was saying, mm-hmm. 
about mm-hmm. reparations, the compensatory aspect of it, because I don't believe that any of us should believe that the white man is going to repair us. You no, know, that's, that's our responsibility. He's, that's he's not going to, to repair us. No, I mean, no, no doubt. I, you know, I see that it's, it's, a, it's a debt owed. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and, and one thing, you know, the Jews got reparations, and they're still getting reparations. They've been getting it for years. They, and, 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 you know, and I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're aware of the fallacy of why they're getting it. Mm-hmm. They're saying the U.S. owes them reparations because they allowed Hitler to, to destroy them or, you know, to, you know, do all the... Well, the, if, the if, they, if, they, if, huh? if, if they laid a guilt trip on America, it's work because they have been paying European Jews for decades, for decades. Right. No more. Yeah. They, they give more money to European Jews or Israel than all the African countries combined. All the African countries for the aid. They give that aid to Israel, you know. And so, right. you know, uh, this is what's going and to happen. And, and, of course, to me, America is going to be complicit in, in the slaughter or the genocide of the Palestinians. Yeah, that's, it's, you're right. It's the same, it's the same yeah. you know, diabolic plot yeah. that's, you know, being act, enacted. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you said the other day, that these are, the, the Jews are just, the Nazis in reverse. I mean, they're yeah. they're, they're they're perpetrating oh, yeah. a horrific genocide themselves, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're talking about the U.S. being complicit because I, I I feel like uh, Joe Biden he's 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 just as much as being a terrorist as Ben and Yahoo, Ben and Yatton, whatever his name is, Ben and Yahoo. <laughs> I mean, because he's got blood on his hands and he's he's yeah. uh you know. You you sending the bombs and the and and all the the, the billions of dollars, and so it's it's, it's just a corrupt you know yeah. it's a corrupt thing. But I, as far as I think that we um, I I believe in the victory of our cause you know of our struggle and that we will win. And as far as the repara- reparation is concerned, um, I, I believe that you know what we what has been said before. We just have to organize and unify. We got to unify, you know, because I mean, I'm sure them Jews didn't. I mean, they they got the money. They weren't saying, "Well, you you don't know what to do with your money, and you can't get." They were just getting the money, yeah. and we need to get we need to get our compensation, our land. And I feel that, you know, because I, I think most most African people they say, "Yeah, I, I want some reparation, meaning I can get this compensation." Yeah, and then those of us that have a, a consciousness, we we should pull together with ours and 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 and, and you know. Uh, Pull it together to do the things that help uh, liberate our, our people more. To, uh, uh, different things because it could be seen as arrogance to say, "Well, you don't know what to do with your money, so you shouldn't get the money." Right. But that's I that's think a mindset. That, um, so I yeah. So I mean, All yeah. Right. But let, let us unify because this could be a rallying cry, a cry for our people. Let's yeah. you know unify for reparation. But you know, having having that. All right, my sister. I'm gonna get another call in here. Thanks, Sister Abia. Have a good weekend. Okay. Ah, uh, yes, brother Ted. Good afternoon. Hey, hey, brother Oshi. Um, after all of the um uh, delivery from various callers, uh, it is about time to get the work done and start the work, uh, rolling up the sleeves and getting sweaty and yeah. yes, it uh, is putting hands and feet to the ground, yeah. etc. Uh, well, feet to the ground and, and, and working with our hands uh, to get 
work done. And, and so what is that work that needs to be done um, and uh, to be really specific and get the job started? That's yeah. my contribution. And, well, that groundwork, to me, that groundwork is independent institutions of learning. That groundwork for us hospitals here and on the continent, that ground, see, my contention is this, reparations is repair. That's the real word, repair. We need to repair okay. ourselves. We don't need no damn money so we can go buy a, a, a damn car or, or better clothes or more thick jewelry or whatever. Hell with that. We need to repair ourselves to be free-thinking African people. That's what we need to do. And we need to teach our children. So we need institutions. Repair. This, the reparations is about institution building and nation building. That's what Very that's good. what this is about. All right, dear brother, I know the clock on the wall. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. No, thank you, brother Ted. Peace. Have a good weekend. Peace. All right. And Mama Nabantu, you're gonna close us out. Mama Nabantu, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I agree with you. It's about repair. Um, our, our children should be able to go to any college yes. institution. Yes. Free. Freely. They should get housing for free. Yep. They should get health for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything, because they owe all they, that to that's us. That's right. You know? Look what so, we built. you get money uh, so people can do businesses. Mm-hmm. And when they make their money, they can do what they want to do with off their businesses. But uh, as far as everybody getting a check, I understand that it's not going to do anything but go back to the capitalist. Right. It's just going to fuel the city. It's, a, it's like a stimulus package. We're going to energize the economy. Hell with the economy. So we we got to educate our people so they have a reparation mindset. Mm-hmm. They don't have it right now. They're mm-hmm. just looking for a check to go and do something for themselves and not for the community. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff I just mentioned, they owe all of that to us and they took it away from us. Right. So it's, it's, we're going to have to rebuild in terms of our culture, all of that. Right. So it's about repair. That's what it's about. All right, my sister. Thanks a lot, Mama Nabantu. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for your show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brothers and sisters, we end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. This program is dedicated and committed to helping to free the African mind, but not just the M-I-N-D, but the M-I-N-E, because under the feet of African people lies all of the resources everybody wants, think they can't do without, and they sure the hell, damn it, don't want to pay for it. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed and wonderful day. Shem Hotel means go in peace. Esante Sana means thank you. Bibi Vahorie. Bibi Vahorie means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, this Monday, we'll have Baba Baruti. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that you are too. Have your questions ready. You know, it's going to be a great program and there'll be no announcements, none of that. You're going to go intro, read the Inyasa Sim, because those are his words, and then we're going to engage in dialogue. So be with us, okay? You have a blessed and wonderful weekend. Bibi Vahodier. Bibi Vahodier means our victorious destiny. We will be victorious. Peace, family. Hey, oh, yo, did that, did, did y'all, 